I see an awful lot of advantages for staying put. You don't have to uproot your life. If you're getting good shit done, yeah? Oh, they're not displaying independence. There's a fucking million ways you can display independence. Go out and write a sole author paper. I'll take that over. Oh, you're like, oh, well, I went and lived in a tree for six months. Yeah, good for you. Well done on buying a ticket to Patagonia, fuck knows. Now write a, now write a sole author paper. That's showing, that's showing independence to me. Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo, and I'm here with James Heathers from Northeastern University. Now, James, you just came back from the uh, Sound Education Conference. Well, I came back. It was in Boston, so you were there in the same town. But how, how was this conference? Well, it's been pretty interesting, actually. Um, people from the kind of general podcast universe were all in one place talking about shit, everything to do with podcasting. Um... Not just sort of production things, but you know how it how it works. The broader context. It was all podcasting all the time. Um, of course, so when you, you're invited to do something like that, and you 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 have access to sort of anything you want, and you get to go. Um, I did a, a panel on Friday that was on uh, podcasting in the social sciences um, with a bunch of people who were all far more qualified than I was. Um, there were some big names there. Uh, yeah, uh, Tara Boyle, he's a podcast I know, he's from the Hidden Brain podcast, he's uh, like, oh, wow, as so I walk into the room, I'm like, oh, it's really weird, I heard of you. Um, <laughs> it, it's, it, they're, they're, oh, I'm not just going to laundry list everyone off, or is that social, am I supposed to do that? I don't know, Daniel. I don't know. Are you supposed to? Are you supposed to say that? Are you? Are you well, does it we, we, justify? We, we, can I, po- we can post to it. There was a, there was a nice just tweet. Tell with them. With you and- tell them what's wrong with me. <laughs> um. So you did this um social sciences thing. What was the um? So what was the sort of stuff that you were covering there? Uh, I suppose. So some of the some of the complications of putting complicated ideas in order which is more a question for other people than it was for us. Um, but the the panel, uh, the panel was on sort of, you know, uh, psych, social science stuff, neurobio stuff, sociology stuff. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you do it? What's the, what's the broader packaging sort of version of that? How do you structure the ideas? What's the, what's the nature of, and, you know, well, I had a very good question about how, how do you interview an academic when they're all stuttering, mumbling fucks? I mean, it's a, <laughs> it's a very good question. It's just someone wants to do something. You, you call up an academic at random and they start speaking and you start gradually slipping off your chair like, towards the floor, grasping out for any form of any alcohol within arm's reach. And how are you supposed to make that compelling? So, good questions came up. I will tell you who's there. I did the responsible thing. Um, I haven't listened to uh, her podcast. Uh, there's a, a lady from town here, uh, Ellen Hendrickson. Um, she has a podcast. Uh, obviously, Tara Boyle has a podcast. And the last person on the panel was uh, Lisa Feldman Barrett, who is a mm, I saw very, that. very well-known, uh, very well-known researcher in the. I suppose we could say like centered centered around kind of the psychobiology of emotion. Um, as I've 
read a book. Was, uh, and she's at my institution and I've been there two years and I've never <laughs> met her. And I finally meet her at a, a conference across town. It was really strange. Um, she, is she podcasting? Uh, she does enough general media engagement stuff that they thought it was a, a good idea to have her. And of course, she knows a lot about a variety of things. Oh, she had a great story, but we might get to that some other time. It's one of those stories you go, wow, I'm saving that. Am I allowed to tell people that one? But uh, we'll, we'll get to that some other time. Um, I don't want to knock anything off. Uh, schedule now. Um yeah, and uh, yesterday I had a little panel lit thing, you know, there's just a few interested people in a room on sort of running an early career podcast. Wow. Um, yeah. And I, that is I, us. Yeah, I, I talked about our persistent commitment to amateurism and how <laughs> this is- No, it's, it's a serious thing, Daniel. It's a serious thing. Do you want a budget and a sound editor and, and all these other things? No, you want to. I want a budget. Shoot. I don't want a sound editor. But I want a budget. Yeah, you want a, a you want a, a, a budget, but not in the the traditional production sense. You want a, a some some version of making things easier. Anyway, uh, all the content's going to be on the internet. I have, I have the slightest idea if it will be interesting to anyone. But um, in general, Look, if but, I'm asked but, but, to go somewhere to and help, I do, which is probably greatly to my discredit. But. And now I have a hangover that you could weaponize and use to invade the Dardanelles. <laughs> yeah, and it's one o'clock in the afternoon. I haven't managed to shake the fucking thing yet. Ah, oh, and looking oh, at your age. looking at oh. your head with this particular the way my head feels. Looking mm. over at your head because <laughs> you're you're white now. So I'm, I'm apparently now, so. Now I'm officially staring at a white bed. Uh, that's very funny. Um, if for everyone uh, out there who's listening, Dan is uh, Dan is officially white now. Um, I don't know why. We don't need to get into it. But yeah, it's just uh, the internet's funny sometimes. <laughs> it is. It is. <laughs> and I, 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 <laughs> as we've mentioned before. Um, yes, I, I am a hundred percent, hundred percent Colombian, um, which was interesting. <laughs> like I, I, coffee I grew up in, <laughs> or Colombian crime. Coffee. I, I um, yeah, that too. I actually grew up in, in quite in quite a white area of Sydney, and um, I remember going to the um, you know, the primary school for the first day, and um, they literally the first day they kind of I, I was separated, and there was a small group of us sort of sort of sitting there. Um, and this this lady walks in and she sits down and puts me aside and she she looks me straight in the face and she's like, "Do you speak English?" <laughs> well, yes, of course. <laughs> and and then and then away we went. Purely, well, it's not really true. You don't really speak it very well now. So I mean, no, not it, now. I've, I've gone I've gone take. reverse. I've gone reverse since I've le- left the country. But uh, pure, purely because of my surname. Um, which, um, you know, and being in a very white neighborhood, they just assumed that I couldn't speak English. So, <laughs> yeah, see, you, you get that from time to time. Um, but, uh, yeah, but yeah, 100% Colombian, but, um, the internet is, is, is a funny thing. Speaking of the internet, we did, um, put out a request for some, um, for some, for some suggestions and, and questions. And, uh, we got a good one, which is actually quite, uh, quite timely. And this is from, uh, from a l- friend of the show, longtime listener, um, Frederico Adolfi. No. Is it from him? Yes. Yes. From Frederico Adolfi. Um, who, who, um, was, uh, sent us the, um, the, the policy at SFN, which is, uh, happening right now, or basically will be happening by the time the episode is released. And this is their policy looking at, uh, photography and electronic 
recording restrictions. And uh, according to their policy, any photography, video, filming, tape recording, or other forms of recording are prohibited during poster sessions, lectures, symposia, mini symposia, nano symposia. That's a, that's a new one. Uh, courses, workshops, and on the exhibit floor. <laughs> uh, only- Isn't nano symposia just three there people is- talking in a corridor? Yeah, it's just just just, <laughs> just at the year in a way, mate. How, how's your research? Yeah, anyway, just, um, I, so, no, so, I was just going to lean over and take a quick peek at your nano symposia. Yeah, show us your nano symposia. <laughs> um, so, such recording is only permitted during press conferences and uh, in the press interview room. Um, other arrangements must, must be made, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Cell phone use in sessions is prohibited. Now, um, this is interesting, and uh, I haven't actually seen. I've heard of such uh, policies. I haven't actually been to a conference. Which has has these type of policies. So, what do you what do you think about this, James? Mm, well, I would imagine. I'm not at all sure, but I would imagine that this has got something to do with uh, intellectual property protection, scoop protection stuff at the centre of it, and that people are afraid that if they're going to a conference and letting out their little half ideas into the public domain, then um, someone else is if they take some record of it, they're gonna they're gonna rip it off and and do it. Um, I have heard of things like that happening at conferences, maybe not at the SFN kind of conference. Um, but uh, well, maybe 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 to some degree, actually. I mean, they they get an awful long way into the the wibbly bits of neuroscience, don't they? Mm. Um, so, so you're saying you've heard of people that have gone in, seen something at a conference, posted it online, someone else has seen it, and they've scooped them. Is is that? Well, is this something something within that space, not necessarily like that. As much as you, okay. you, you take a you you take a, a a photo or a record and just thing, and you you go away and you you study it and you manage to get out in front of people. No, I I know that's the fear, right? I imagine that that's the stated center of a policy like this, right? It's so mm. that you are uh, maintaining control over your intellectual property that you're about there sort of giving away. Um, I think it's fucking stupid. Uh, if you do, you think it's easy to take a a, a a subtle photo anywhere? Sure. Yeah. Right. So, in other words, if you really wanted to do this, you think it would be easy enough in a darkened room with eighty people in it to defeat their pathetic ban on media recording? Do they send the security in? No, no, not not for you because you're white now, so you you, you can get away <laughs> yeah, with yeah, anything. Yeah, <laughs> No, it's it's perfectly all right, and you'll you'll just sit up straight and wear a cardigan. And but, no if they, one, but, no if they, but if they saw my surname, anything. well, you keep that down. You you pronounce it Quintanar. Uh, I I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Um, basically, it's look something like this is a, like a general protection thing. Loose lip ships. I, I get the idea, but I think anyone who's got to try to defeat something like this is going to do it and get away with it. This is mainly inconveniencing people sharing information they're already talking about publicly. Um, honestly, as if you're thinking about protecting your stuff, I mean, it's, is, are there other reasons? Is there some kind of bullshit copyright that needs to be protected elsewhere? Look, in general, obviously, Maybe- I'm, not in, I'm not in favor of closing up a public session. I'm being able to. Uh, I mean, if it's if it's that 
if that's heavily protected, you're going to tell people about it in the first place. What is, is, you really think that's a legitimate risk of either having losing some kind of intellectual advantage or having the copyright of some description being violated? I don't know, man. It's, it's just, just I'm just not. You, you know, I'm, I I like open cultist stuff in general. Obviously, just as a general principle, it sits badly with me. But um, it also feels very fucking heavy handed. You got all these people who are there deliberately to share knowledge, and then you say, "Well, you can share it, but you're not allowed to have any electronic record of it." I mean, fuck you. If you really wanted to do that, it'd be really it'd be really easy to do. If I was going to this conference, the first thing I'd do is take all my stuff and give it away so it existed in, in the public domain beforehand yeah. in the first place. I don't know. What, it, do, you th- those, what do you think? Well, it, well, it's one of those things that I, th- I think you can, you can either go two directions. You can either say, we're going to make things open by default. And then you, if you don't want to do that for some reason, you can actually state the study presentation. Please, I'd appreciate it if no one took photos. Um or if you're at a post session and you see someone whipping out their phone, you can go, no, nah, um, I prefer not to. Or you can take the other perspective, which is what SFN is taking and going, um, no recording whatsoever. Um, and the thing is, I, I don't quite like that because then if you have this policy there, then it means that people who are doing presentations might still be hesitant to go, yeah, you know what? Um, that policy, um, stuff it. You can take photos and you can share this stuff. I, I just don't think people are going to do that knowing full well that this is the- the global policy, but it's just it's such a strange perspective because, like, what what's the next step? It's almost as if like they're, they're going to get people to sign NDAs before you you walk in. People are going to talk about stuff. Quite often, it's it, it's quite common for labs. They'll send two students there, and part of the um what one of the things these students do is they come back to the lab, they have a lab meeting, and they actually share what was presented at the meeting. I just don't see how different it's going to be. Um, between them going by memory or what, what they took in their notepads versus uh, versus a few photos, it's um, mm. it's really strange and it's really counterproductive. Um, one thing that I've seen some people do is that they've they've kind of noticed that when people have published a paper, they can actually go back to the published conference abstracts and they 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 see enormous differences between the published abstract and the final paper. Um, which can sometimes be a little bit suspicious. So, I'm not sure whether this is one thing to actually head that off, um, to sort of head off the differences that you do see between published work and, and, and conferences because this, this work is in progress, so to speak. I don't know. But uh, generally speaking- Are you allowed, to, are you allowed a- to write about it in language? I mean, this is no, no, oh, no. media production thing. This is like, okay, so if I closely describe it and put that on the internet, a fucking million people will live tweet a big conference. Yeah. Yeah, am I allowed to? Am I allowed to tell people? It's just yeah, it's electronic recording. So I mean, I I get it. Some people, for some reason, I don't know why, they may want their privacy. They don't want to be recorded. Don't don't want it further taken. That's okay. But then you can say at the start, you can say at the start of your presentation, hey, I'd prefer this, and and problem solved. But it's just yeah, it's 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 very regardless of of what you think about open science. Of course, you want your work spread and disseminated as much as possible. I would love it if if, if people took photos of my stuff. Not not many people do, mind you, um, but uh, I would love it if they did. But this is just um, well, I'm sure they ask you to stuff. back out of the foreground. First yeah, could, could, so could you move? Could you move out of the out of the frame? Yeah, but you I don't want, want to say this. I mean, this everyone's point. already got a photo of a white man. You don't need another one. Yeah, no more, 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 more white men. But the thing is, this policy actually favours the senior academics because the only people that are actually having re- getting recorded are the people in press conferences. Who's going to be in press conferences? The old white academics. Yeah, the old senior academics, not the junior people. So, so, so like this, you, this but po- old. 
The meme at all, exactly. Yeah. So, so this, this this particular policy is actually working against young people. So, yeah, um, I don't know. M- maybe there are specific reasons. Maybe it's some weird copyright society thing that they own the copyright. And I, I don't know. Um, please, listeners, let us know if, if we are if we are misinformed. But no, I do but have the feeling that. So what we talk about is a, is a copyright issue. Is like if something exists, like a figure in particular for a scientific presentation, if that exists somewhere in the public domain that you can't later publish it. I mean, that's what I was thinking when I was saying a copyright thing, but we, everyone is, there's still a few holdout journals, but they're like the, the journal of inverted like, Macedonian anal chemistry. Uh, it's, it's like that, that Japanese bloke that was on the island until 1970. He thought the war was still going on. Have you heard yeah, that story? Yeah, yeah, of course. Massive segue. Yeah, that was, a, it, it's, it's incredibly funny. But yeah, there are, there are still uh, a few journals that don't accept preprints, but you would assume that the preprint policy covers anything that's being reproduced anywhere else, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's. I mean, it's surely, really surely that's covered by the attitude to how when we accept that the information's in the public domain beforehand, it's still publishable. So, yeah. doesn't that? I, I would think that would come under that umbrella, even if it's not the deliberate formatting and structuring of the information in the paper, even if it's a ratty cell phone photo that's gone out on the internet, <laughs> right? I don't know, but man. Think, it uh, feels it feels very regressive and unnecessary. Is it new, or this is like how they how they how they roll? I'm pretty sure this issue pops up every SFN every year for from memory. Oh, this, right. um, social media policy, very very strange. Um, particularly because most journals, when it comes to actually sharing stuff, um, they they don't count journal uh, uh, conference presentations as prior publication or abstract co- conference uh, uh, abstract for conferences as prior publication so it's not a prior publication thing it's it's it's, it's very strange it's very strange but um i, I think it's just the, the 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 positives far away any any potential negatives whatsoever and i don't know this 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 scoop stuff like i keep finding out i keep this is the main reason that people don't want to post preprints but i still have only heard of one story out of mm. thousands and thousands of labs out there of a scoop it's a little bit like it's a little bit like the Mothman, isn't it? It's very terrifying, and it's definitely out there, and it and it's definitely coming to get you. But when it comes right down to it, there's not a lot of confirmed sightings. Look, I ha- I have heard I have heard of this sort of fuckery happening, but not anywhere near in proportion to the amount of concern that's expressed about it. I will say that. Ab- do, you think, do you think that's fair? Yeah, I think it's completely fair. And any mm. any positives that we that you get from sharing your stuff. Far outweigh and any negatives. And I think. Well, you should, you are, should, you should know. You're making a bullish run right now to be doing funny little academic jokes for people in your your, your <laughs> new new career as the court jester, which well, is which is like, good um, for you culturally because the court jesters were always white people, of course. They're they're always um, white, but but like um, like Nathan Hall said, if you <laughs> within academia, if you're. Um, if you're not laughing, you're, you're crying. Uh, that, that, gee, that was a good episode, speaking with uh, Nathan. If, like, it's, if it's, you're it's not like laughing, a, like a you're crying. Who said I can't do both at the same time? Yeah, you can try. I, um, I, I recently, um, n- another segue, um, I, I'm applying. I'm, I'm traveling to China in a few weeks oh. um, to visit a lab. That's going to be exciting. But I was in the process okay. of, um, of, of, of applying for a, a, a visa. And, anyway, and uh, you know how you get those, um, those photo sheets going? Um, this, is how you, this is how your photo needs to look like. And it's examples of good photos and bad photos. 
Have you seen those things? And it's like, don't, don't, don't move your head to the side. Yeah, of Make course. Make sure you're not, you know. Yeah, Uncle Sam, Uncle a- Sam's dragged me through the shit with that a number of times. Yeah, this is like, don't, what? don't have a shadow so it looks like you've got a mullet. Don't, don't have your yeah. head out of proportion. <laughs> no, kind of no, no, no fake moustaches. But yeah. w- one of them was, um, one of the examples was, um, no, no crying. <laughs> And, and, and you know what that means? <laughs> Somebody did it. Somebody submitted a photo in which they were <laughs> they were crying. I don't want to go that. to China. Snap. Anyway, that's going to be um that's going to be a super super exciting trip that's going to be happening. I'd love to um, go to China. It's going to be it's going to be great. Um, be apparently, it's the it's the the, the, the capital of, of of pandas, Chengdu, where I'll be where I'll be going to. Oh yes, a there's a very famous panda sanctuary. Um, I, yeah. I I'm I'm very keen to go there. Um, it's going to be um yeah, and and the Sichuan, the cuisine, that's that's going to be good too. Yeah, I don't know what your spice tolerance is like. I mean, your people are famously intolerant towards seasoning food, so yeah, yeah, it's going to be. I'm I'm going to ask. Give me give me the um give me the tourist spicy level, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Ah, uh, yeah. Still. It depends on how much they like tourists at that point, doesn't it? That could go one or two ways in a hurry. Yeah, I'll I'll have the uh, have the milk re- ready to go. <sighs> let's let's but, do, uh, let's do something focused, Daniel. Do it. Okay, do it. Okay. Do, an, do an adorable segue. We're gonna we're gonna do a segue. Uh, uh, we're gonna speak about something that we've spoken of, that we've thought about doing for quite a while, and we've finally gotten around to it. And this is the idea in academia: the the necessity to travel for your job. Um, it's kind of strange that um, quite often when it comes to applying for jobs or applying for grants, one of the things that you often see is you have to demonstrate evidence of independence. And one of those ways, or basically that's code for have you traveled or have you moved overseas or have you not stayed in the same lab from undergraduate to to, to your postdoc? And it's kind of, yeah, and it's kind of weird. And I think this is something good to talk about because this is something that both of us have done. Um, We- um, both of, both are from Sydney, and now we find ourselves on the opposite sides of the world. Um, yeah, more and, or less, uh, more or less, exactly, huh? You ever yeah, seen that website that, that that does exactly the the opposite the point on the globe? Yeah, I think uh, I think Norway is extremely. I think it hits near New Zealand, the the antipodes of Oslo. I think. Is that right? Interesting. Yeah, so it's close. Or okay. Fiji, some, somewhere in the South Pacific. Oh, interesting. Um, all right. Yeah. Uh, I thought the opposite of uh, the the opposite, like the dead set opposite of Sydney, um, is somewhere in the Atlantic. Actually, about halfway between where I am now and where you are now. Yeah, there I you go. I think it's the middle of the, the ocean. Um, but the vast majority the, of the, most the Azores. Of, <laughs> most of the most of the 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 planet is um most of the planet is ocean. Right, so generally, when you That's take the opposite, when you take the opposite of somewhere, you get very disappointed. You're like, "Oh, great, I'm in the sea near fucking Greenland." Oh, yeah. <laughs> but it makes an interesting fact. No, it doesn't. But you know. So anyway, yeah, it was a, it was a long way. What, what's your What's your story, James? What Why are you in Boston right now? Um, how, and how'd you get there via via? I, I know, but maybe a lot of the listeners don't know. Well, I'll put it in I'll put it in context. Where I think when it came to this, uh, I was. Very lucky because I always wanted to leave. It's a very well-trodden path for people in Australia, you know. You get to a certain point and you're like, right, I'm going to blow this rock. We're going somewhere else to do a thing. (laughs) 
So it was always in Get my your swag. I always, yeah, yeah. I always had a, a a life plan idea somewhere between the front and back of my head that I was going to leave and do it. Um, and my then girlfriend, now wife, had I think a few sort of neither here nor there kind of offers, like come to a postdoc here, come to a postdoc here. We should talk, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um. But there's a f- there's only a few places in the world where you can turn up as an early career researcher and things will kind of work themselves out, yeah. And Boston's one of them. So when I was mm. finishing my PhD and she got a job at Harvard, I went, oh well, I've heard of tons of places in Boston. I'm going to go and go and do the thing. That seems like an ideal location, you know. I mean, there's other there's other cities that it could have worked, but uh, I mean, if someone goes, "Oh, let's let's go to uh, let's go to Laredo, Texas, let's go to the <laughs> University of Nevada," I mean, you you don't know what's what's there. It doesn't have a research infrastructure, and you don't have any kind of serious job placement because everyone hates you because you're young. Yeah. Well, mm. everyone hates you a bit less because you're young and white. You get a few more steps on the uh, <laughs> official totem pole. Um. So, I was still doing my PhD when we left. I finished it in airports and we stayed with friends when we got here on a couch in the apartment that we leased soon after that. Um, I went down to the secondhand store and I bought a $6 chair and a $20 modular table uh, and set up in the corner of the room with all my Australian powered stuff going through a daisy chain of bullshit power converters. (laughs) And I finished my Australian PhD while I was here. Um, and that, I mean, when you actually don't know anyone in town uh, and you don't have a lot to do because you don't know where you can go, and you've just spent all your money on emigrating, uh, it actually helps focus the mind a, a great deal. Um, that was that was good uh, for the f- kind of the perspective of getting it focused and finished. Right, and I had someone had to hand in a physical copy for me, and I got some lovely photos of it on the on the internet. And then I uh, sat around here waiting for it to get marked, which is the single most frustrating experience of my life, because I didn't have no defense. If I had a defense, it would have been done in twenty minutes, and they would have you know I bought you a hat and off you went. But I had to wait seven months to get my PhD marked because you can't get in a postdoc, you can't get in a postdoc without the fucking doc, right? Mm-hmm. So at that point in time, you know. I was away and then sufficient uh, sufficient versions of uh, what I do, what we do, I suppose, are available here that uh, eventually you get your goddamn dock and you work your way around to finding a place that really wants you slash needs you. Um, I had to go by myself to do my first uh, six-month postdoc in Poland over a period of this, which you probably don't remember very well. We weren't recording when I was in Poland. Um, but I needed to get my I needed to get my doc before doing that as well. So it was uh it was there's elements of excitement and there's elements of go forth boldly young man as elements of being extremely fucking poor and elements of being highly frustrated. But it's sort of muddled through, right? Now, if you take that experience in its totality, I still feel pretty lucky. Like it could have mm. gone way worse. 
So let's not let's not add too many details to the outside of that particular monster. That's a reasonable description of how it all happened. Now, I know what you happened. You always went, oh, my old lady is a, is a Norway's. At some point in time, I wished to go to the Norway's. And you had a tremendous amount of notice that the place that you would be required to go and live and work was the Norway's. How long did you have to set that up? Um, yeah, that that in itself was incredibly lucky. Yeah. Um, I remember- That's I- the single best thing that you can have is notice. How long did you have? Before I knew I was going to move. Yeah. Uh, well, about, well, over a year. Awesome. Thereabouts. Awesome. Nothing, nothing that was, better. That was, yeah, like the, the way that things came together was just was just crazy. Um, basically, they wanted me to come sooner, but um, I wasn't able to because I still had my contract. Um, I had a, I had a one-year research assistant contract in Sydney. And then I spoke to my supervisor and said, hey, can I just go there for two months and just help go there for about a month or two and help set up the project and come back again and finish the contract and move? And he was like, yep, yeah, that's fine. That in itself was amazing. So, I was able to go across, get things set up um, and then come back again, sort everything out in Sydney and then do the m- move across. So, it was, um, yeah, it was just ridiculous. That's about as well as it could possibly go. That's pretty amazing. Um, but 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 even then, like the, the the move, the move is hard, and I sometimes think one of the reasons that people actually like having this sort of stuff in their CV or like seeing this stuff in their CV is that you actually get exposed to to new ideas, which is which is true and which is good. But I often look back and think about, well, you know, to be honest, as as well as actually starting your new research project, starting a postdoc, starting a PhD, doing whatever, you also have to go through. Just the boring administrative stuff of moving to a new country. Mm. I'm sure you had exactly the same stuff moving to the US, but in Norway, as I'm sure it is in every country, just the simple things, opening a bank account, getting a driver's license, uh, getting in the health system, all this stuff takes forever. And on top of that, oh, you're finding a place to live. All that kind of stuff takes forever. And we had incredible advantages in the fact that I was able to stay with my missus's family while we were getting set up. Oh, Um, yeah. Like we stuff like too. that. We and stayed. We stayed with. A, they're still very good friends of ours. Uh, uh, a lady that my uh, wife went to school with a million years ago just happened to live in uh, Brighton, which is a few miles west of where, where we live now. And they okay. just happened to be in town. So yeah, without that, it would have been like even more expensive because you've got to turn up and get all your shit. We had ninety six kilos worth of stuff. Full stop. End of story. Just- four four suitcases, and then you know. You go out, you find a real estate agent. They're like, uh, dude, sell me a house. <laughs> Not a particularly expensive one. Sell me a, sell yeah. me a cheap house. Please it's, try to make just, it have just, uh, walls and shit. That'd be good. It, <laughs> it's it's crazy and it's expensive and all this. And, and you hear stories of people who um, are going from one year postdocs to one year postdocs or one year positions to one year positions, which is just, which is just mad. Not, not, not mm. to mention the, the actual living, you know, setting up all that kind of stuff. But How do you buy a fucking up- table? 
Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Within a year, by the time you've, you've 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 built your IKEA table, it's like all right, time to set up shop. Uh, sorry, time time to pack up shop and and, and go to the next place. Yeah. I hope I, I um, hope I saved the Allen key because I've got to break it all down again. I bring it all down again. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, and, and it's just crazy. And I, I think as well, especially I mean, it was a little bit easier in your situation because your missus has got a, got offered a position in Boston, and like you said, hmm. um, that's one of the best places to to, to, to kind of you know rock up with your suitcase going I'm looking for a position but so many other people um, particularly um, I mean my wife doesn't work within academia so we had a little bit more flexibility in, in, in that regard but a lot of people of course it makes sense their partners um, were also academics and uh, and then you have this problem of um, finding finding a position yeah. for, for you, two you, people yeah or, you know, you know, you know yeah. that's got a name it's, it's the, the tongue in cheek name that's stolen the from two. the physical phenomenon yeah the two body problem the two body problem yeah yeah so you can there's whole there's whole blogs written about just how are you supposed to navigate this experience um as a like, how are we both supposed to have careers when we're continually being pushed off base? Um, yeah, yeah, not the classical mechanics thing. I'm pretty sure they solved that one a while ago. <laughs> um, but the, what, what, what? this also look when you start. The other problem is when you're starting out, you're sufficiently junior that no one give a fuck about you to do something like that. No one, no one, no one cares. You know. That's as you go, oh, can you help me out with this? It's like I wouldn't even know who to ask within my university. Even if I did ask something like that, I don't even think someone I could get someone in an office to reply to an email. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, it's your yeah. fucking problem. If you're a senior professor, I'm pretty sure they'll throw their hands over and they'll, they'll, some, maybe something will get done. Some places have very good formal uh, requirements for doing this. I think it's either Princeton or Yale that has a really good reputation for making sure this works. Um, okay, but in general, no one gives a shit about you. So that is an occasionally frustrating thing to have to navigate. Well, actually, probably upgrade frustrating. It's sometimes it's just totally destructive to your ability to live your normal life, like so many other things in this fucking industry. <laughs> Don't laugh, Daniel. That's white privilege. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, what do you think about this whole idea um, that it needs to become uh, an expectation travel? Uh, I was actually I was, I was speaking to a guy in, in um, one, one of my colleagues, and he, he's mentioning that he, he's he's going to go to the to, to the states just to do six months. And I'm like, oh, mm. why? He's like, oh, well, I kind of need it for for when I apply for grants, to, like just just to have it on the CV. It just seems kind of ridiculous that you just need to have this requirement. Um, and, and it's unfair for people that can't necessarily travel. Yeah, um, so especially you've got, if a, you've got a sick mom, you've got two kids, you've got a partner kids, with a just, great job that lives in town, you don't want to leave, or you just don't feel like it, right? Maybe, yeah, you, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. you've got a chronic illness. Maybe you're one of those people that's really close with their, their family and you just can't countenance the idea of going to the other side of the planet. There's a fucking million reasons why you wouldn't want to. I've- I see an awful lot of advantages for staying put. You don't have to uproot your life. If you're getting good shit done, yeah? Oh, they're not mm. displaying independence. There's a fucking million ways you can display independence. Go out and write a sole author paper. I'll take that over. Yeah. You're like, oh, well, I went and lived in a tree for six months. Yeah, good for you. Absolutely. Although, well done on buying a ticket to Patagonia, fuck knows. Now write a, now write a sole <laughs> author paper. That's showing, yeah, no, no, that's no. showing independence to me. I totally agree. 
Um, uh, yeah, I can go into a different circumstance and work with different people. But yeah, you think like two instead of one. What if you? What if you're really, really useful? What if someone begs you to stay because you're the glue that keeps the place together? And you go, no, I've got to display responsibility and independence by leaving. What the fuck is that? Yeah, I, it's, I, it's crazy. I, and- I know it's part of the, the 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 culture thing as well, but it's also another factor that that discriminate discriminates against people who weren't in our position where we went, hi, we're young, we've still got most of our teeth and half of our brain cells, so now is a good time, and managed to hit the button at the time. Now, say, you, say you're say you five years older and you're in the same position, you've got completely different shit happening in your life, and mm. you're like, oh, no, let's move, let's move to the University of Mississippi. No, no, you're going to pull your life to pieces. I, like, oh, I read a blog about this. This is an ecologist, I think, from years ago. And she, she kind of quit. It was one of the quit lit sort of things, which I've read a great deal. Um, it helps me feel sane, I suppose. And she was on a seventh move or something or a fifth oh, move. That's brutal. And she just got to some point where she went, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm. I'm not jumping around adjuncting this and fucking part-time teaching that and working on this research project. And, you know, I own more cardboard boxes than I do shirts to put in them at this point. Fuck you. I'm done. And, yeah, that's, I mean, it's a consequence of a lot of things. It's a a consequence of collective funding instability. It's a consequence of short-termism. It's definitely a consequence of casualization of the workforce when it comes to teaching. All right? I mean, that's working out for me now as well. I'm teaching this semester. I've got a, like an adjuncty kind of job, but I'm just like a part-time lecturer. So instead of sitting in this building and doing research, I walk over there, talk for a while, then go back to my office. I mean, that's how it's supposed to work. But there are people chasing those jobs around, like those mm. guys that panel beat cars when there's a massive hailstorm. You know, they turn off the plane with a bag of tools looking for work and then traveling to the next place where all the duco has been fucked up because there's ice falling from the sky. You know, this weird kind of mercenary life. It's shit because it's a lot of work for not a great deal of money. I mean, it's good extra money, but it's terrible wages. Yeah. And (sighs) it's really weird because you you, you look at people and um, people kind of mention, oh, you know, yeah. Just in talking, oh, here's my CV, or here's my Google Scholar profile. Oh, don't don't, don't mind, uh, t- t- 2015. Um, that that's when I moved, and it's, it's it's so weird. Like these are very productive researchers who take a hit productivity wise, um, just for the sake of moving for the, for this for this independence type thing. It's it's ridiculous, and I think it's um, you know, if, if you're doing good work, like wh- why move? It's just. It's crazy. I mean, some people do want to move, and that, that, that that's great. But um, if you don't have to, just this pressure to do it. You've got a house somewhere. You want to do it. You want to do it. There's plenty of short-term grants in the world. A lot of the time, they're easier to get than other things. Come up with a single project. Find, 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 Try and find just about enough money to go there and do it. Go for fucking six weeks. Work on it for three months and come back. Try and get that set up. Mm. You don't have to yeah. go and live there. It's like, you know, independence is independence. It doesn't become any more independent just because you add paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Look, I I do see the value of it in the sense that you go to navigate a different system. 
You are stretched. You are put into an environment that you then have to make work for you. Maybe it's some kind of heuristic marker of whether or not you're a useless sack, right? (laughs) But that's not a very good heuristic marker. It certainly certainly shouldn't be fucking mandatory. It's like we just have this expectation. You know, if I, even if I had that expectation, someone said, here's, here's my totally legitimate reason for not doing that. I can't see myself going, oh, well, you should have done it anyway. I'm sure the mice here are different to the mice there. <laughs> Those are independent mice. These are the normal ones. So yeah, you, yeah. You, you don't know. So it, it comes down to the, everything. Uh, grant assessments, job assessments, like job applications. Oh, you've got to read the, read, get people who know what they're doing and read the fucking papers. Oh, we want to assess independence. We want to assess scholarly output. Oh, we're going to add up all the numbers. Oh, did you move? It's all candy. Read the fucking papers. Please have mm. an intellectual response to the thing that you're trying to assess. If it's that important, read the fucking papers. It goes through this quite too. Su- you're quite I'm what? actually quite, su- I'm quite no, surprised no. at um, <laughs> how few people actually- <laughs> how, how few people actually take the approach of writing sole, sole author papers. I don't see it that often from younger career researchers. Why do you reckon that is? Uh, is a- there's a few things there. Um, some fields it's substantially less possible. If everything that you're doing is equipment or collaboration based, you always to get the numbers to do the thing, right? You're using someone else's rig, you're using someone else's resources, you're getting things from other people. Yeah, other people are involved in the process. Two, there's plenty of advisors in the world who make a very serious case that anything that you do under all circumstances, if you're paying their salary, they, et cetera, et cetera, you should at least be giving them the option of being involved. Like you should be putting it in mm. front of people in the first place as opposed to going and doing it yourself, right? It would be unusual that you had a second sideline career in doing completely different research, totally unrelated to what you were working on at your actual job. I mean, I've done some of that, but that's unusual. Yeah? And I would say that my boss has absolutely no problem whatsoever. Like, oh, I published some other thing. Oh, cool. What's that about? Yeah, I'll get around to reading that when I've got some spare time, which for him is probably 2023. <laughs> right? Third thing, um, it's never really – some people – it's not so much a lack confidence is that no one's ever – they're waiting for someone to give them permission to do something. Right? They find themselves mm. in a situation going, oh, am I allowed to do that? And like, oh, no, no, it'll be a while, but I feel like I can successfully put myself out there. It's not, it's not a, it's not a bad thing, really. But for some people, there's a kind of an element of maybe what might be intellectual aggression. Yeah. And I don't think it's the same as imposter syndrome. It's just I'm unwilling to put this idea in a public domain and hang my big shingle on it. Not even I lack confidence. Just as matter is like I, I'm. I haven't given myself permission to see myself in that role. Mm. Yeah, and I know lots of people who are successful and productive who just don't have that. They just go fuck it. I'll have a go. And sometimes they get shut down real hard. But the difference in attitudes with some people who are starting, but not from fancy labs or anything like that, but from reasonably quote humble unquote beginnings. Um, some people do great. They just go out and wrap themselves. But, you know, you're told to be modest. 
You, you're given yeah. that as a, a, a kind of, well, you know, you don't really know what you're talking about. I mean, we, we never had this, but that's, I don't think it's a character thing inherent to us as much as you're obviously loud and difficult as a human being. And I'm obviously <laughs> the, the shy one in this particular diet. And, uh- yes. It gets, and don't interrupt me again, I'll kill you. Um, <laughs> it's more the fact that when it comes to some areas of psychobiology, it is actually possible to know a lot more than other people. It's just one of those wrinkles of the field. I think that gave us a great deal of confidence. Mm. Right? Because you're working yeah, with a, a, yeah, technical, a, technical, a technical subject that you're perfectly capable of I mean, I've had sort of PhD students and master's students and people knocking around. And in a, a couple of months, I hear them going, ah, I remember that criticism you made number four. This thing is a problem. This paper's got this wrong. It's like extra. It's not hard. It's just that there's this weird kind of opportunity where people who want to use methods that require you to understand basic signal processing, a little bit of engineering and a little bit of physiology. People come in going, I'm a psychologist. I like to wear hats. I'm interested in the valence of the inverted nipples of the person up a hill wearing wearing shoes made of... <laughs> and you, they, they kind of blunder through these things sometimes, often, right? <laughs> and they're assessed primarily by other psychologists and no one goes, you've done all this wrong. I mean, was it, remember that paper I sent you now uh, a couple of weeks back? There's a, a some some paper from somewhere. Oh, the, the one that was called uh, Trainwreck.pdf. Yeah, that's it. Trainwreck.pdf. That stuff is getting published. But look, you could. And this isn't a matter of go out and rep yourself, Dan. You confident white man. We've had a sufficient education in something that people do wrong all the time, and it makes you feel like that you're in command of what you're in front of and what you're reviewing. That's just luck. That's just mm, circumstance. Yeah? Because yeah? I have <laughs> I, I lack plenty of confidence when it's not domain specific. <laughs> I think everyone should. I think it's fucking healthy. For sure. For sure. Yeah. I mean, this is uh, the, the that the paper is an the psychologists are absolutely the pits for this. They did the, the, the flyby citation, the flyby citation thing uh, where they go, you know, here is some evidence. Like here is 50 pieces of evidence against your evidence. Here is how other fields <laughs> see this. Like this is really, really, this is, your idea is really terrible and it doesn't work and you shouldn't use it. And the paper will start, idea A exists, although there have been some criticism, B, one through 50. Anyway, right. so assuming that A is true, let's continue to use it because it allows me to access publications to improve my own career. When people are going to do dumb, it's selfish nuts. bullshit like that, I mean, how are you? How are you supposed to just like sit around and go, ah, oh, okay, I guess they know what they're doing? No, the moment you're in command yeah. of it, you start to rep yourself. So yeah, I don't think sure. we're, I don't think we're good examples when it comes to this. I think there's a circumstantial element that is because you know you've gone out and written papers by yourself. I have too, mm. but I think the reason for that is that. Purely by circumstances, we ended up having good technical knowledge in an area where it's not particularly difficult to have good technical knowledge and is populated largely by uh, dimwits. <laughs> Lucky us. Pretty much, yeah. Sorry. A lot at of, least a lot, to a very- um, Fucking lots of G, it. G, 
getting getting um, Google Scholar alerts for high variability is, is, is frustrating every day. Yeah. You know, you, you might get eight papers and six of them you read the abstract and you're like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I- you, but here's the thing, you, like me, have been doing that for years. You've probably seen, at, at the very least, you've seen the title of pretty much everything that's been published everywhere on a topic mm. like that for five or six years. Hmm. Right, so it's a little bit of work every day. I don't think I've ever, maybe two or three times that I've been hyper busy. I don't think I've ever messed a research roundup email for checking what's being done, checking what's out there, checking how it goes down. Yeah, oh, I'm always keeping on these things. Mm. I get surprised sometimes, pleasantly surprised, but uh, most of the time it's just disappointment. It always seems to be a Japanese paper for me. Like these people I've never heard of. I'm like, oh, what's up, Matsumoto? Okay, but it's a holy shit, this is good. <laughs> wow. Yeah, <it's> weird. <laughs> Where it, did it's you guys come from? Some, That's some so countries. Awesome. Like, what's what's the deal with with Italians and good physiology papers? Like, you, you always see these. Um, I wonder. My my PhD student's Italian. I should ask him. But there's mm. got to be something cultural that um they, they they tend to write. Whenever I see. A physiology paper or a cardiac physiology paper from Italy. It always they always seem to be saying some pretty sensible stuff, more more or less. Well, I think it's just one of those research traditions things. Um, I think there's a, a lot of, but things things acquire their own topics, acquire their own kind of cultural resonance, and uh, mm. you know, it's like oh, this you this this institution has 120 proud years of supporting fuckity fuck. Yeah. Well, so we, pe- we, all, people- we all know the HIV institution. Oh, uh, where? Sorry, Ohio, which has which has uh, three big names in, in in the research in the research area, which which don't ever publish papers together, which is which is interesting. Oh yeah, when you when you when you, when you think about it. Hey, you want to know a fun fact about Ohio State University? Yeah, hit me. Um, this is something that I was uh, I was thinking about this recently because they had a uh, they had a big fancy conference. Uh, where a lot of people who are sort of dean level people who like who who are, I'm saying very concerned things. I, I, this is a summit on research integrity. You know, I'm I'm very concerned, and here's my beard, even though I'm a lady, and pay attention to me. Um, I think Ohio State University is like the leader of research errors and retractions and frauds and screw-ups out of every public university in the US. Is that according to the re- the, re- the retraction watch database? Um or just Yeah, sort of- but here's the other thing. I was talked about this to someone on the internet the other day purely just because it came up. I can come up with nine names of people who've uh, we got a list here of nine separate researchers from Ohio State who either went through something I, I in the know ORI. The, the video game guy. Um, oh, that's that's small potatoes compared to some of these other dudes. Yeah, um, some of the yeah, some of the were real bad. The yeah, I got a I got a list here somewhere. Um, the uh, what was the? Because um, they they had all these they all these allegations. It's just it's a long list of names and a long list of retractions. I think they're way out in front of wow. uh, other. Like you, if you bundle up, I think I, I did this somewhere and just sort of like wrote it down and forgot about it. If you bundle up the corrections and retractions, um, I think they're kind of like research screw ups. They're out in front. Wow. Yeah. There you Do go. You, I don't necessarily think that's meaningful. You know. 
Um, I mean, they've got, they've got a, a, a high research output. So, of course, you, you know, the, the more research you put out there, generally speaking, the more attractions you're going to get. More, so than, more, than, per- more, than, more than that, I mean, if you change two or three people, I mean, think about how unstable that figure is. You take one yeah. dumb motherfucker with 15 Massive attractions outliers. and you, you, take, it, you yeah. take it from somewhere to somewhere else. So, there's some kind of Poisson-y framework thing for trying to understand that. It's just weird that lightning struck their lots. <laughs> Anyway, well, I'm not sure why uh, we're talking about that now. That's all right. Well, I, th- I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up now. Um, but uh, thanks thanks for listening, and please keep on sending your suggestions on uh, on Twitter. We are at Hertz Podcast on on Facebook. Um, we're still getting a lot of new uh, new fans on the Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, mm-hmm. you can send us DMs on Facebook and uh, and on Twitter. Um, and keep on writing. Um, we're getting a we're getting a few more a few more reviews, um, a few more um, uh, email reviews. Someone emailed us saying we're the funniest thing since um, Boston Legal and Rick and Morty, which which were two two shows I wow. would never have imagined to, 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 to see okay. to see together. So I am not at all sure how to receive that compliment. Yeah, but it, but but the. <laughs> But the uh, the person sending the email was, was was very complimentary, so um, I think that was a good thing. But yeah, well, please thank and, and you, keep, thank keep... you, regardless, whoever you are. Thank you very much. Dan we, didn't show we, me we that one. That. He printed and, and, it out, and, and, stuck and, it up on his wall. And finally, um, apparently, one of our listeners told me um, that um, that he he sometimes listens to podcasts um, as he's falling asleep. Um, and and he was saying that he, he's very worried that um, that one day he's going to fall asleep and he's just going to dream of your voice, James Heathers. So can can you wish Danny a good night, Daniel? Daniel, it's me, your conscience. Good night, little prince. Sleep well. I promise your feet won't fall off while you're asleep, Daniel. I promise there's no one else in the room. I promise there aren't eyes on you right now, Daniel. I promise you nothing's going to happen. Sleep well. <laughs> How was that? That was perfect. He's, he's going to have nightmares. Um, ah, but the funny thing is, you're he, welcome, I, he's, Daniel. Going through, he's going through the episodes from, from one to wherever we're up to now, 70, 71. Oh. It's up to 30. He's right doing now. the death march. Um, so, what a champion. So, yeah. So, so in a few months' time, he's, um, he's going to get a nice... Um, ho- hopefully, he, keep li- he keeps listening. <laughs> but I'm sure, I'm, sure, I'm, sure, I'm sure he will. Don't we normally uh, but, alienate uh, people between 40 and 50? Yeah, may- maybe, maybe. But uh, we're going to find out. So, in, in, in three months' time, Danny, when you hear this, remind me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I might forget. Easter but th- thanks for listening, everyone. We will be back soon and we are looking forward to more episodes and getting getting some more guests on the show as well. Yeah, bye sure. bye for now. Bye.